Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. This morning we are going to read from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's my privilege to bring to us, you know, the close of this wonderful, wonderful, beautiful book. This relationship that Paul has with the church of Philippi is, um, has, has stirred my heart with so much gratitude uh, for the relationship that they have together that I think that we can grow in. We are positioned to grow in so well uh, as we go in the days ahead of us. Very soon, very soon in the days ahead of us. So, and if we look in, in, in Philippians chapter four, we're looking at verses 14 through 23 has been read. And we're gonna ask the question, what does partnership in the gospel look like? And I'm gonna ask uh, Ross if he can go straight to the maps here. I've, I've found some maps that I think are helpful to seeing the scope of, of what Paul is doing here, what the, how the gospel's moving forward. So you don't need to necessarily pay attention to this line so much right now. That's an, a, a map used for a different purpose in a different time. But I wanna pay attention there. This is where Paul, we find Paul writing this letter and he's in jail in Rome. And uh, this is the church that he is writing to, Philippi the Philippians, and this is, northern Greece is called Macedonia. So this is the Macedonian churches up here that Paul established by God's grace. And he's writing this church at Philippi some 10 to 13 years after it was established through the gospel, through the preaching of Paul. And so now Paul finds himself all the way over here in jail. Uh, and he is arrested. He is probably, probably on house arrest, but he's probably tied to soldiers who had taken turns guarding him. And uh, I want to let you know, I think through the preaching, we've talked about how you can get a great background story of the church at Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Rich, rich uh, stories of the gospel moving forward through Paul. At this, at this location, which is controlled by Roman government. And um, 
So there is a, I know Livestream can't see me pointing out here, but we're talking Roman Philippi, and there's an Ignatian highway here that comes across like this that the Romans built for a shortcut to get back over here to Rome. And this is probably where we see Epaphroditus going through that area. But this is a long track. And I went to the help of modern age. Go ahead to the next map. This is what Google said on Friday. You can travel from Rome all the way over here to Philippi back and forth. These are the modern day names of the cities. And this would be the quickest driving route, which would be 19 hours and 51 minutes. And you gotta take a ferry across here, of course. Or you can fly one way for 215 bucks from there to there. But we know they did not have either one of these liberties, these privileges of driving or flying like we think of today. And you have to change your mindset as you're studying the scriptures to remember this. This is foot travel that they're traveling. This is quite an effort. And, and so we know that he is, he probably took this shortcut of a 20 foot wide paid walkway. It's, it, we, we call it a highway, but there's no cars on it. But it's a commerce of the Ignatian Highway that comes through here. Uh, but it's, it's amazing to think about what it took, the, the, the patience that it takes, the endurance it takes to get these letters back and forth because Paul's in Rome, but he's, somehow the message has got to get back to Philippi that they need, that they need to send, send Epaphroditus to deliver this letter to Paul. So we've already got to get com communication going one way to Philippi in order for this letter to be traveled all the way to Paul, and then Paul writes this letter to give, to give to Epaphroditus to come back the other way. What patience that takes for these people, what endurance it takes, how important this letter is, and that we gain from it today, that we gain from it today. So what does partnership in the gospel look like between this church at Philippi and Paul? Paul, the man who brought them the gospel, this good news of Jesus that changed their lives. It reordered their lives, and we're going to learn how. He says in verse 14, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. That word kind. It wasn't nice of them to share in this trouble. It was kind. You were thinking in advance of me, this kindness that is a fruit of the Spirit, this kindness that comes from a changed Life. Paul is looking back and he's saying, it's so kind of you to think, to share in my trouble. And that word share is really a fellowship of I'm taking up your suffering with you. I'm coming alongside with you. I'm bearing your burdens with you. I'm sharing this trouble. It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Can you imagine that? Establishing these Macedonian churches, and there's only one church, and they look back on, and it's Philippi, that when he left, that was the church that was supporting them. Even so, as we read in the next verse, even the Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Thessalonica is just a few 20, 30 miles away um, from where Philippi was. And so even while he's ministering there, Philippi's paying for that ministry service to go forward. And you gotta know something about this church at Philippi that we learn in 2 Corinthians 8. And I'll just read the first 
four verses, but as Paul's writing the church at Corinth, which is in southern Greece from where Philippi is at, Paul writes this church in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. These Macedonian churches were in a severe test of affliction, for in a severe test of affliction, it was not easy for these people to become followers of Jesus. Not at all easy. They were under persecution, and affliction is the word that he's using. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. This church at Philippi is poor and afflicted, but yet they keep sending Paul gifts. We're with you. We are praying for you. We are supporting you. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. It's important to keep getting the gospel out. Just like you brought to us, get it to other people. This is the message that Philippi is sending to Paul. Let's go back to our, 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 our text in Philippians. But that's a, a background study of who this church is that is supporting Paul so well. I want to move on to a second point here that what does this partnership in the gospel look like? Not only does it look like sacrificial support that he gave, that he received from this church, but there's earthly blessings. Earthly blessings become spiritual blessings. Earthly blessings become spiritual blessings. He's gifted with his, his money and, and needs to provide for his needs that he has to minister the gospel and continue going from town to town to town. But these blessings become spiritual blessings, and I love how he writes this. Let's read verse 17 together. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I stop there. Not that I seek the gift. A lot of people would think that he's seeking the gift. Finally, some more money, more money into my account, more gifts. About time, it's been hard on this road. He's not saying that. Not that I seek the gift, but I actually seek. This, look at what he says. But I seek the fruit. Another word for fruit can be like interest accruing. Interest accruing. It's a business term. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He's more interested in how they are benefiting by giving to him. Their their reward is going to be in heaven. And he's going to talk a little bit more in just a moment here about how they can make it through this life as well. He's so excited about their action of trusting God by being a poor church and saying, this needs to get out of our laps. This needs to get to the world. And, he, and, he's, and he's saying, I am so happy about what is happening in your credit. It isn't that I want the material benefit in my account. It is that I want the spiritual benefit in your account. That's what he's saying. I'm more interested in, in what your spiritual account looks like, and I'm so happy to announce at the end of this letter that this is what really matters. 
You are growing in your faith. You are trusting God with this gift that you are sending me. And look what he says about this gift that he sends. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What the Philippians gave as their gift was like an investment which would repay rich dividends in the service of the kingdom. As accumulating interest stands to the credit of the depositor, at the last day, the last day that is coming, such generous and unstinted service which express itself in practical monetary support would not go unrecognized or unrewarded. This is our God that you were giving to. You were giving to our faithful Father and is landing in my lap. And guess what? I have more than I need. I am well supplied as he's sitting in jail. We learned last week and the weeks before about how Paul lived this such contented life. He was so content with what he was given. And now he receives this care package full of sweet smelling, it's a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And guess what? And what does he say at the end? And pleasing to God. God is pleased by your sacrificial gift. God is pleased by your trusting him. You don't have money. You don't have money and you're given beyond your ability, as he, as he said to second, the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians. And he goes on in verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's, it's like he's, he's blessing them. He says, our faithful Father will provide for everything you need. Everything you need. Through what? The riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Our Father is not bound by limited funds. He has got a wealth of funds that he is ready to unleash. And it's these sacrificial givings from this beautiful Philippian church. And I love just the richness that these, this relationship has together. He's so concerned about their faith growing. It's not about the gifts he's receiving. It's about, about what they are giving that he's so excited about because they're trusting God. Lastly, it's personal. What does a partnership in the gospel look like? It gets personal. It's personal. And here for, for Paul, we read, you know, he starts with, the, he's, he's closing. There's a couple closings. As he finished in a prayer to our, verse 22, our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And then he just gives a final greeting. He's just, he can't stop thanking and greeting enough. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus my name. Let everyone know. Let everyone know. Tell Josh, I, I greet him in the name of the Lord. Tell Ed, I greet him in the name of the Lord. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. This is not the emperor Caesar that he's talking about. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him in a moment. This is some, some man, Caesar's household there in Rome. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul is writing this 
getting ready to seal the envelope to give to Epaphroditus to take on this journey all the way back to Philippi. And he's basically saying, you know, here he is. I'm in jail in Rome. Please tell everyone hello. Please let them know. I've received this letter well. I've received this care package well. Thank you. All the saints here say hello. They send their greetings. Now the emperor Nero, Claudius, Caesar, Augustus, the emperor, was an evil man. He was an evil man who's in control of this whole Rome, uh, Roman citizenship. And he was irresponsible. He was brutal. An opulent re ruler who was famous for persecuting Christians. Famous. That's how he's remembered. He was known to force Christians into gladiator matches where they would be eaten by lions and often lit his garden parties with burning carcasses of Christians, human torches. Now, it's understood that Paul died by being beheaded some three years after this letter was sent. Remember Paul. 30 years prior to this jail experience, this, receiving this gift from Philippi and sending this letter to the Philippians, 30 years, sometimes 30 years sooner, Paul himself was by name Saul and standing over apostles who were martyred and giving approval of their death. And here he is 30 years later dying for the sake of the gospel, sacrificing his life for this great gospel that changed his life and changed history. When I think back, I think like, what if, what if the Philippians didn't support Paul's ministry? What if they wouldn't have? What if they almost gave? But I think the beauty of the gospel is, is that they were so convinced convinced to the core that this message needs to go out. As Paul was so convinced that he was willing to live his last 30 years preaching the gospel, that there's one way to having peace with God, and it is through faith and belief in Jesus Christ and him alone. This gospel changes lives. It changes stories. It changes the way you think, the way you live the relationships you have. What does partnership in the gospel look like? The advancement of the gospel is dependent upon people giving and receiving sacrificially. That's what's dependent upon this. To have a gospel partnership, you have got to be dependent upon people giving and receiving sacrificially. Paul demonstrated that in his life. He gave his last 30 years. He gave up his career, and he followed Jesus in proclaiming the gospel. And that's how he lived his last 30 years. And he was willing to die for it. But he established churches that established churches that established churches. Disciples who established disciples who established disciples. It changes us. The partnership in the gospel means that we've got to sacrifice in giving and sending giving and receiving. And we have people in this room who are in this 
who are partnering in the gospel with this agreement, this, this pastoral, or this missionary support letter. Uh, people who are home on furlough from the mission field. All of us who are sending them out. We just got a chance to pray for a couple that are on a vision trip that's coming up this week. They're going to leave Thursday about going to establish where is God leading them to share the gospel and unreached peoples in the world. We all have this rich opportunity to follow the Philippian church's example, to follow Paul's example of being passionately, sacrificially giving the gospel, sharing the gospel, supporting the gospel, sending the gospel, giving the gospel. How does this change us? As we go to trust God, how can we look at ways that we can trust God as we step forward sacrificially? Begin thinking with your time in mind. Begin thinking with your finances in mind. Begin thinking with your relationships in, in mind. I think about Paul being in prison in Rome with, tied up to you know, the soldiers, you know, taking their shifts. And I just think about how many times Paul shared the gospel, the hope of the gospel with each one of these soldiers that are watching him. We know from Acts chapter 16 when he was jailed in, in Philippi that he had opportunity and he took opportunity. He was singing, singing hymns and praying. Him and Silas, they're together sharing the gospel in jail. And that jailer came to trust Christ, him and his whole household. Who knows what happened with these Roman soldiers? The gospel is a good story to get out. We need to be sacrificial in how supporting it sending it, going with it, changing our time, changing our relationships for it, and engaging with ministry. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.